We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Andrew Claudio, here with another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast coming at you on a Wednesday morning. And no, Donovan Mitchell is not still a Nick, but more on the Shams bomb that was and didn't change anything in just a minute. If you're used to the sultry tones of Jonathan Macri's voice that you get at the beginning of every podcast, well, he is doing something that we forced him probably to do. And it's to take a vacation. John is taking a break over the next two weeks. Your show is still in good hands. In this episode, it's Mr. Jeremy Cohen, who uh, welcomes on Mark Schindler, who is one half of Andy Cornrows. Shout out to Caitlin Cooper, who is the other half of that pod, who's been on our show several times, um, as well as an NBA and WNBA writer for Dime. Um the WNBA playoffs start today. At time of recording, it is a little after midnight on the East Coast. And so it's technically Wednesday. And tonight, the Liberty take on the defending champion Chicago Sky in a best of three series. So game one is on ESPN tonight. I know they play in Brooklyn, but they still have New York on the cover so or on the front. So support your girls and watch Liberty take on the Chicago Sky tonight if you want to watch WNBA playoffs. I remember watching last year the WNBA. 
WNBA playoffs were pretty exciting. So that's something for you guys to check out this summer. And Mark previews this entire series with Jeremy in just a little bit, as well as gives their takes on the offseason that the Knicks have done so far. Mark's a pretty big fan of Emmanuel Quickly, so you will definitely enjoy that part. Before we get into it, John always does this, so I feel like I'm obligated to the Knicks news of the day, which I don't know if I would call it news, but it is something. Uh, Mr. Shamsharania uh, tweeted out about 10 hours ago at time of recording, after several weeks of no conversations, the Knicks and Jazz recently re-engaged in trade talks centered on Donovan Mitchell. Sources tell him and Tony Jones on the NBA. Tony covers the Jazz and the NBA at large for The Athletic. Look, you could kind of tell by how we responded to this, like Knicks Film School and Knicks content creators as a whole. Uh, when there is news to discuss, I think we will all discuss it. We will treat it as such. This felt a lot like uh, a flyer being thrown out there to see if there's still any public pressure that can be applied to one of either side. I think, I think Jake Fisher, as far as I'm concerned, Jake Fisher on our pod last week uh, set the stage for how I'm going to approach this the rest of the way. Leon Rose is not going into this with the need or the necessity that it's a failure that you don't get Donovan Mitchell. He has constructed the team in a way that you could start next season without him. And this could go into next year. Um, the urgency, I think, that some of us may be putting on the jazz side may not actually be there. That Danny Ainge got an offer he was blown away by for Rudy Gobert and then explored options for Donovan Mitchell. But said blown away offer is not on the table for Donovan Mitchell. So he's okay going into next season with the man on his roster. So we might be here a while. Um, if you believe the reports from Shams a couple, maybe a month ago at this point, maybe they were close. Maybe Leon Rose had an offer and or at least was told, this is what I need from you. Slept on it and when he got up in the morning said, Nope, can't do that much. Let's renegotiate. The stalemate happened. And now they're talking again to see if they can work around that stalemate. I personally don't think this is going to happen anytime soon. If it does, it'll be sometime in September, right before training camp. And, you know, potentially the Knicks will have given up a little bit more on the draft capital side. And there's also a world where Leon Rose says, I like the roster we have. Your price is too astronomical. If you're, looking to uh, trade him later on in the season, maybe after the All-Star game when you've marketed him throughout the season, then sure, we will renegotiate come deadline next year. Although at this point, the deadline is before the All-Star game. So this might be a next summer thing even then. All that being said, shout out to the Twitter account. No, Donovan Mitchell is still not a Nick and you may be running that Twitter account for a long time, my friend. Thank you for that dedication. Okay, let's get into it. Mark Schindler, who covers the NBA and the WNBA for Indy Cornrows and Dime, joins Jeremy right now. Joining us now on the Knicks Film School podcast is a fantastic writer, sees the game incredibly well, and he does 12 months of basketball, which I need a break. I know John needs a break, which is why John's not here. Andrew needs a break. Uh, he does not. His name is Mark Schindler. And uh, Mark, how are you? How are you doing? 
I'm good. Honestly, I'm getting ready for a break, but you know, we're, uh, we're getting there. Um, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I was telling you before we got on, I haven't been able to listen as much the last couple of months because I've been a little bit slammed, but long time KFS listener. So uh, when I got, when, when you guys reached out to me, I was like, oh, all right, let's go. So yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It's going to be fun. Well, thank you. And as we were saying before, big fans of yours, got a great Patreon as well for as little as three bucks a month. That's pretty dope. Need that content. Um, so for those of you listening, certainly please check out Mark and the work he does. But um, let's move on to, I guess, should talk about the Knicks for Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, Mark, I'm curious what your thoughts were for the Knicks this offseason after what I know a lot of Knicks fans felt was going to be a step up this past year than kind of went back down the other way. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear how you thought the offseason went from your perspective. I don't mean to fence it too much, but I, like, I think it was fine. Um, I know some people in the national media really panned the Brunson signing to a degree. And I, I thought it was stupid. We're being honest. Like um, Jalen Brunson's a good player. You can say what you want about how much money it was. I think it was like slightly an overpay, but at the same degree, okay. It's a lot better to have Jalen Brunson than not have Jalen Brunson and so, I, I mean, like, again, I think some people say that that's too caustic of a way to look at it. But um, I mean, just given what the the guard room has looked like, like as much as I applaud Alec Burks for being serviceable the last two years, that man was like getting run to the bone uh, with how Tibbs was playing him. So just like, I mean, the upgrade from Jalen to from 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 what Alec was like, that's immense. Um, I do think it gives me a lot more questions about how they view IQ and how that's going to work out. But at the same point, like, I, I don't know, I'd rather see it play out having more talent. It's an A plus in my book, uh, not in terms of that off season, but you get what I mean. Like in terms of just like adding talent, I think that was important. Um, I do. Uh, the only thing that I think was like a big minus to me is like just not really having all that much more clarity on the Julius front, which in turn makes it less clear for what Obi's path is moving forward. Um, I, so it's it's like I don't know it, it's it, kind of like any team that I'm looking at like I'm I think it's fine I want to see how things are going to play out in the regular season. I'd say that there are a large portion of Knicks fans that seem who are very eager to move on from Julius, of course, but then there are of course the portion that wants to see him kind of try to thrive in a smaller role. And I don't know if that's the type of buy-in after having an All NBA season if that's something that he's comfortable doing, but. I guess from your perspective, is that if you keep Julius Randle on the team, how are you featuring him differently compared to how he has played? Or are you keeping things kind of similarly? Obviously, there's another mouth to feed with Brunson being in the lineup. But is there something you personally, Mark, would do differently? Uh, I mean, I think I could do as much as I want. It's all just going to be does Julius want to do it. You know, like I think that was just the biggest thing last year. Like, um, I don't think that Tibbs's offense is particularly inventive if we're being honest, but like at the same time, like what do they have to work with to be super inventive? Um, like there's a, in terms of actually creating offense, I think it's just really tough. And again, that's Brunson solves some of that, but he also doesn't fully, um, which I think that's more why you're trying to lean into RJ. Um, but I do think too, like we saw some uptick from Julius as the year went on last year. It wasn't perfect, but I do think that there was at least some better signs, especially as the ball was in RJ's hands a lot more. Um, honestly, like anything that wasn't last year is, is an upgrade as far. I mean, like two polar opposite seasons, like um, the defense, I think would be the biggest thing, even, even more. So like, I think offense, you can at least scheme around it a little bit and, and work around, you know, maybe having just less sets run through him, which again, like he's, not really going to have a lot of gravity if he's off the ball, but at the same point, like 
I think you can at least try and make do with that. But defensively, um, he went from being a real plus the year before to just like that was dreadful last year. Um, like that there were just very few games that I could pinpoint where Julius actually played good defense, um, which was like heartbreaking to watch. Um, I think that's just the biggest thing that I need to see this year. Like you, I mean, I would assume that the jumper is going to at least improve slightly because like, I mean, again, like two polar opposites. Um, I don't think it's going to get back to what it was as all NBA year, but I'm hopeful it will get back um, to at least some midpoint that makes it more, uh, more stomachable. Um, But again, I think it's just got to be the defense because he he was like a borderline all defense guy. Like he wasn't quite good enough to make it activity wise, but I thought like just in general, um, like he was that level, he was really good. So like that needs to get back to being around that area. Um, I just want to see a lot more with him being used. Okay. Maybe being used as a role man more, being used as a screener, like stuff that I know you guys and any Knicks fans that I know have been talking about for a year already. So like, it's probably not going to happen, uh, but I would like to see it happen. I'd like to be optimistic headed into the year, but I mean, that's the biggest stuff I'm looking for. Um, it's just frustrating. And I can only imagine as a Knicks fan, it's even more frustrating because it, it feels like very low hanging fruit stuff, um, which makes it all the more uh, frustrating that it's not there. I can't remember. There's a Greek God who um, in Hades is like trapped in a, uh, I think it's like a lake of wine and he can't drink any of it. Um, it comes like right up to his chin, but like every time he tries to drink it, it he, like he can't swallow. It's something like that. And that's very much how it feels watching Julius Randle play basketball sometimes, um, which isn't a very dreadful, dreary uh, comparison, but it's kind of where it's at. So that is a very apt description, honestly. Um, okay. So Andrew says, is Dionysus? Yes. Yep. Yes. That's him. 100%. Yeah. Um, it's, I think the other thing, of course, with Knicks fans is that even those who want Julius to be elsewhere, it's finally feeling like after years of not being able to have a star or, or dealing with Carmelo Anthony and will he go, will he stay in, in the no trade clause that he rightfully held above the Knicks because it was given to him, just lucking into someone after 2019 and then just everything, of course, falling. And, you know, one of the things that we often talk about is the idea of pairing Randall and Obi together, how mm-hmm. it would be great. And yet at the same time, Tibbs loves 48 minutes of rim protection. And if they're yes. getting crushed on the glass, then it's not exactly the most uh, Tom Thibodeau-ish way of, of playing. Do you think that they should maybe consider going more small if Julius is still here? I mean, granted, the way I've seen it is you need the way to figure out Obi's minutes has been unfortunately 48 minutes minus Julius Randall equals Obi Toppin. But is there any path that you foresee just even if Julius is still here? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think a lot is going to depend on Mitch Rob. Um, like I, I do think like, again, like Taj is gone, which that's a security blanket ripped away from Tibbs that he can't keep. Um, which even then like Taj had solid minutes last year. It's not like he was bad. Um, but I think, again, like that's what makes it so tough. Like I, I like Mitch Robin in a vacuum, but again, last year was really rough with him. Um, like I, as soon as I saw what he looked like after he did that, like that, whatever the hell that his, whoever his personal trainer was last year, he used to be fired into the abyss. Cause that was a fucking joke. Still um, there. Yeah. Are you serious? That's he is, awful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely awful to hear. Um, if you ever see somebody go from 255 to 280 in an off season and they're not playing football, fire your trainer immediately. Cause that was unhinged. Um, but I mean, 
you, as we saw, like he, he, he got a little bit better as you went on, but for the most part, it was very up and down. Um, like I thought he was still fine offensively. Um, you know, just especially in terms of talking about what his role was, but I mean, just drastically big drop off defensively from what he was capable of doing the year before. Um, so like, I, I don't want to say that I'm like out on the deal that he got. I don't think it was crazy or anything. He's still a young player. I think you can, um, see it working, but I'm just less bullish on it happening on the Knicks now, especially to like, I feel like I'm not even a Knicks fan. I feel like I'm checking his, his Instagram story after every game to see what he has to say now about his minutes. So it's like, it's just an odd situation. Um, which again, like that pairs right in with Obi. Like, I don't think unless you're getting a version of Julius that is playing the defense he played in 2021, um, then I don't know that I feel very good about that defensive front court. Like I don't feel about it. feel very good about it either way. Like, I think you're going to have to, you'd have to be very inventive with it. And granted, like, I think Tibbs is a lot more, um, at least throughout his career has been more inventive offensively than he has been defensively. Like he very much likes to stick to what he knows and what he thinks works best defensively. And I don't think that's going to necessarily uh, work with, you know, playing Obi and, and Julius together. Um, so I don't know. I, I I think offensively, if things really were able to pop, you could see it working, um, especially too like Obi down the stretch again, like in the minutes he got to play without Julius. And when he just got to play like real basketball that wasn't like grinding into the dirt, like he looked really good. He got to do the things that he was drafted for. Um, I just it's really tough to see them happening together. But I, I do think like there are way, ways it could happen. But again, it's all the all the buy and stuff from Julius. Hundred percent. You know what you were saying about Mitch. I think is completely accurate. For me, it's um, I'm not Mitch's biggest fan. I've kind of seen him as sort of. I believe that he is essentially a Nick until he is not a Nick, because I just Mm -hmm. there will be an opportunity to use him in some sort of trade. It's just you know down the line. Who knows? Obviously, but it kind of leads into well, if you were. If you're trading Mitchell Robinson, you're not trading him for a point guard. You just got Jalen Brunson. Uh, you don't need to necessarily have someone at the three, so to speak. And you could be a little bit more versatile, but with uh, with RJ. And are you trading for a four? You're probably not trading Mitch for another five. You wouldn't necessarily trade Mitch for a backup. It kind of all goes into it. And then I guess where I'm leading with this is uh, with Donovan Mitchell. You know, the, the Jazz had originally asked for something involving Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett, three first round picks. Obviously, Mitch can't go in a deal right now given trade restrictions. But in terms of with the entire Donovan Mitchell conversation, I think Knicks fans are very comfortable saying Donovan Mitchell does not, whatever trade it would be from, does not put the Knicks into contention status, certainly below that. Given that, is it a move? And obviously, it depends on the price, but is that something you feel that? the Knicks are better suited for right now? Or is there an opportunity you think might be better on down the line, whatever it might be that could be better than what getting Donovan Mitchell now might look like? Good question. I think that's something I've thought about a ton. I don't, I don't, I mean, again, not defensive. I don't have a perfect answer with it. Like, honestly, if, if it's me, um, if I could make a trade happen where I'm not sending RJ to Utah, I would do it in a heartbeat to get Donovan Mitchell. Like I, I know that there are, warts and limitations to what he brings. I also just don't really care. Um, I think like to a degree, I do think, and I'm not just saying by Knicks fans, I think in general, like he, his game has been pretty undersold. Like I know the defense is, is really iffy, but offensively, like he, he made real strides last year as a playmaker, his efficiency, like all the efficiency talk kind of went away from me last year. He really improved his ability to actually get to the rim. 
um, and finish there. Um, I mean, the, the, the three point shooting and what he's able to do off the bounce as a, as a creator is legit. Like, again, I think he's more in the Bradley Buell mold, but he is a really good off ball player. Um, and I think he's capable of playing off the ball too. Not just like he, he won't do it. Um, which obviously we've seen that be a problem with some guys before. Like I, um, just in terms of getting a player that caliber, I think like I could view him and RJ working together. Um, again, it's not a perfect blend. I think you still want more in terms of like, yeah, I don't want to have a really small backcourt, but again, okay. Would I rather have Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson and, and RJ Barrett or Julius Randle, RJ Barrett and, and Jalen Brunson? Like it, again, there's levels to it. It all depends what you're putting in. Like it, if it's six first round picks back, I think that's insane. Like, no, that shouldn't happen. Um, but I do think it's worth trying if that's there. Um, and it's, again, like I, I personally wouldn't give up RJ to, to go get Donovan. Like, you know, again, it depends what all is in the deal, but, um, yeah, it just depends. Like, I, I think, I mean, that would be the best offensive player that they've had since, since Mello and his semi, whatever you want to consider his prime in New York, even as good as Julius was, like, I don't think he was that level offensively. Like he was really good, but again, it was still like, that was like grinding shit out and and making it work for like the 18th ranked offense in the league that year um i think with donovan and a team like honestly like there are good players on this team who can make sense on a good team but again just actually having somebody who can create a a, a dent in the defense like this is a team that's very much like uh it's kind of like watching 1970s ohio state football like the three yards in a cloud of dust shit. Like that's how it feels watching this offense. Cause you can't, there's nobody consistently creating separation um, other than RJ and Spurs. But again, like it's imperfect. He's still working on it. And I think adding somebody who can actually do that um, pretty routinely would, I mean, that's just not something you're going to get right now. So um, maybe, maybe something else does pop up down the line, um, but I would be in on getting Donovan Mitchell. So one of the things that obviously would be a a factor in getting Donovan Mitchell, it seems to be Quentin Grimes. So I'm I'm curious your thoughts on Quentin Grimes and also essentially Emmanuel Quickly as well. Where mm -hmm. I get the sense that because Grimes has that extra year of team control, that that's something Utah would be even more in favor of. But it seems as though there's kind of this smaller discourse of Grimes versus Quickly, and they're very different players. But it seems like they kind of get evaluated in a way that maybe doesn't best line up with, with their skill set. So I'm just curious what you're, I know you're a big quickly guy, but in terms of how you would see them as, as players to retain and as trade pieces and essentially, you know, Grimes playing off ball seen as important because if you have more creators, you want someone like that, but it's not like quickly can't do the same thing. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Cause I'm curious on your thoughts. Yeah. So, I, I mean, with me, I think I view quickly as somebody in terms of how I want to build an offense from a roster building standpoint, like that's something that I want to build around. And I, I definitely believe in, um, like I, I know Tibbs has been pretty adamant that he's not a point guard. Um, I think I'm in the mix of, again, like not to be rude, but like, I don't care. I don't like, no, he's not a quote unquote true point guard, but I wrote something about this last year where I think he's somebody to me where, well, he doesn't necessarily do full on point guard things. He does a lot of the things that make it matter. Um, like he's really good at, at, at just kicking the offense in the gear, especially off transition. Like, again, like he's, 
he's not Tyrese Halliburton, but in that same mold, mold of somebody who really wants to push the pace, who's good at getting two feet in the paint or getting to the elbows um, and causing pressure points early in the shot clock. And again, like that's not causing a full on rotation, but it makes the defense move and makes them think that matters a lot more than, you know, dribbling up with the sh- doing Mark Jackson shit, dribbling up with 10 seconds left on the shot clock. That's just not what makes good basketball now for the most part. Like you have to be so good to actually make that work. IQ is not that guy, but again, he doesn't need to be. But I think I look at it almost more as this team probably needs Quentin Grimes more than IQ if Tibbs is the coach. If there's a different coach coming in, which that's not the case right now, um, I would feel differently. Like, again, I'm I'm much higher on who I think IQ is going to be long term. And I love Quentin Grimes. Like, I think he's a future all defense candidate. But in terms of somebody who is, um, you know, at times bending defenses or being somebody who is going to keep making secondary pick and roll stuff happen, I think that can come from in time, but not to the level I think it's going to get to with IQ. Um, like the creation stuff isn't quite there for me. Um, but again, like I think in terms of what Tibbs actually wants to buy into and build around, then yeah, if 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 that's part of the trade, then yeah, I, I would be Grimes over IQ for sure. Sure. And if no trade, are we starting Evan Fournier? Or are we starting Quentin Grimes? Or surprise, are we starting Emmanuel quickly? Uh, man, it, it, well, if if IQ, it, like if, if they did all of this in the offseason and then Tibbs is fine, like, oh, I'll start IQ now, I would be just so frustrated i'd be like cool like i'm glad you are but why like why did it take this you know like it, that's yeah that's it's not a point I, guard mark exactly exactly <laughs> so yeah we'll play him at shooting guard now next to a, a guy who's also not a point guard but um yeah i i think like i would probably start grimes right now honestly like i especially like for what the team does defensively he's a really good shooter off movement already um, again, like he's budding with some of those creation chops. And when you're a team that's going to like, I mean, IQ makes sense a ton as the backup creator off the bench, like somebody who's going to run a lot of offense off the bench. Um, also, I mean, like, I want to see a lot more of Obi and, um, uh, Obi and IQ together, like doing stuff off the bench where they play really fast and actually play like good basketball. Um, that, that was the most confusing thing, most frustrating thing last year. I know like uh, not to name names, but like I get really frustrated with the people get on off. like, Oh, this team's like you're, you're on off sucks. So clearly you're bad or something like that. Like there's, there's a lot of that, but the on offs were like so clear last year in terms of like watching and seeing how it plays out. Like, Oh wow. They actually just like do things that make sense in modern basketball. Um, when I keep, comes off the bench and they do stuff with, with OB2 running in transition. So like, again, I want to see more of that, but um, I'm getting off on a tangent on how I'd like to see the next action be built, but yes, it would be, it would probably be Grimes starting for me. Um, Fournier. I just, again, with what they're trying to do, it makes almost more sense for me to have Grimes out there. Um, it, the whole Fournier thing is like, that's a, that's another discussion, but yeah. It is, especially when the Knicks have really like 11 or 12 players fighting for 10 roster spots or 10 rotation mm-hmm. spots, excuse me. And even if you take out Deuce McBride, you are still left with choosing between Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, Camp Reddish, Evan Fournier, it will be topping as things stand. And I think the the one double-edged sword of if you keep Julius Randle and you're fine with it is, uh, yes, on one hand, you get Obi Toppin probably with Emmanuel Quickly for more minutes, but then you're also suffering by having not as many Obi Toppin minutes as you might like. Not to say that they can't mix and match, but... Tibbs seems to, I mean, you see the league more than I do, but is it feel like Tibbs rolls out a lot more hockey uh, changes than other coaches yeah. seem to do where they mix and match more? 
Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I feel like there aren't, there just are not a lot of teams like Utah would kind of do it, but it's more like they'd rotate in three guys at the same time and, and do that kind of thing and try and play a little bit differently. Um, but again, like, I think that speaks to how the roster is built, but also like Tibbs being just kind of rigid, but, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's definitely a fair point. There aren't a lot of teams that do that in full. There's a certain confidence that comes with being properly groomed. There's an aura, a vibe. You can just tell by the way someone carries themselves. We call this BGE, big groomed energy. And you know, the only way to get that BGE manscaped. Introducing the best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet, the Platinum Package 4.0. Manscaped is already the leader in below-the-waist grooming. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FILMSCHOOL. Manscaped's brand new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest bundle they've ever offered, giving you a bulk discount on Manscaped's top products. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. They designed this package to allow you to fully align your entire hygiene routine with elite products. Inside this Platinum Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Era Nose Hair Trimmer, Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Conditioner, Ultra Premium Deodorant, Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, Anti-Chafing Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag to hold your goods while traveling. The Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer and Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate parts and holes. Both are waterproof, so you can shave with less mess. In addition to shaving, you can now completely upgrade your shower routine with the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. Don't forget to apply their aluminum-free Ultra Premium Deodorant for that cologne-quality scent on the go. But it's not just your pits that stink, your balls can stink too! Thankfully, their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve this problem for you. And once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Platinum Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. The Platinum Package 4.0 covers all bases from trimming to showering to leaving the gym smelling nice. This is the best bang for your buck. Don't hesitate. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code FILMSCHOOL. Unlock your big groomed energy with Manscaped. And remember, when you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. All right. Well, that was fantastic. Thank you. I'd love to transition to the other league, the one that's happening right now. Very exciting. That being the WNBA. So you have... You cover the NBA, you switch over to the WNBA, and I'm sure there's that, what, maybe three or four months of glory where you get to dabble in both at the same time? Yeah, you want to call it, sure. It's uh, just finding the time is uh, is something else, but yeah. Um, no, it's been it's been cool. I, I love doing it, um, so it's been great. Um, I wish that league partners would actually like plug it a little bit more, but that's, again, that's a whole other discussion, but the basketball this year has been Fantastic. And um, congrats to Liberty making the playoffs. It makes it a lot easier to talk about them here now, for sure. Yes, it does. So let's talk about it. I mean, they had a nice season sneaking in. I guess you could say sneaking into the playoffs, right? It was mm-hmm. a, a four-way tie leading into 
the last week of the season and winning two games against, it was the dream. Was it the dream that they won against? Yes. Yeah. They played a, a series in the last two, uh, two, three days. I'm trying to remember. It's been a long week. Last three days, you know, playing against, um, playing against the dream uh, to claim. Uh, they ended up getting the seventh spot. The way that the seating worked out was, was wonky, but it was basically whichever one of the teams um, split the games or, or one, both of them was going to end up making it to the playoffs. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. Oh yeah. Well, they were in a really interesting spot. I don't know how many of your game of their games you caught this season, um, but they were pretty injury riddled. Like Benaj Laney, who I would have considered the best player on the team uh, heading heading into the year. Um, Sabrina really took another step, but I still think it's close with with Benajah. Um, But she missed all. I think she only played six regular season games this year, um, dealing with the with. The, uh, I want to say she tore her meniscus, uh, so she ended up missing a lot of time. Jocelyn Wilby was the starting small forward, um, got injured four games in uh, and never really re-entered the rotation because they had trouble kind of reintegrating her. Um, I'm tr- I mean, yeah, injuries just up and down. Uh, Natasha Howard missed time. I think Stephanie Dolson missed time. Rebecca Allen, who is like one of their key rotation wings, um, missed like half the season uh, and she's seemingly always injured. She takes like just a brutalizing amount of contact. I have no idea. Like I'm trying to think of a, like a Knicks comparison, like somebody who just gets hit like an ungodly amount of times. It's her. Like she gets just, if there's any kind of physical contact on court that can cause injury, it's somehow happening to Rebecca Allen. Like, um, kind of happens to Mitch a lot of the times where yeah. he, he falls down and you think, Oh, he's, he's dead. All right. Time to look for a new center. And then he gets back up and he's okay. So that's a fair yeah. point. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Um, well, it's interesting with the Liberty because they uh, so they've played a lot better recently because they've started to get healthy. They've had some luck go their way, um, but uh, it's kind of a double edged sword because, like, yes, they're seven and three in their last ten, but they also had a little bit of an easier schedule. They really only played the play in teams um, over the back end of the season, um, and like even sorting it out. When I, I wrote something this morning uh, on like all of the playoff seating and how things are looking, like. They, I think their best lineup, like when you're taking, so like Marine Johannes, who I didn't even mention, um, was an absolute revelation this year, who was just absolutely awesome for them. Um, came over from playing in France uh, and just kind of does a little bit of everything and is awesome. Uh, like if you, if you want to get into the WNBA, watching Marine Johannes highlights is a great way um, because she, like in the game yesterday, she took a three coming off movement on off one leg going Crazy. forward like just one of the wonkiest shots i think i've ever seen and she like said after the game she was like yeah i shouldn't have taken that shot but it, i mean like it switched so it didn't matter um and she doesn't like speak english super well either so like her answers are hilarious um but um yeah so like again like taking her like she i would consider her one of the five best players and then putting her with the rest of the starters like they've played i think 11 minutes together this year and like they've absolutely blown teams out in those minutes, but again, that's it's an eleven-minute sample size. So like, what am what am I supposed to take away from this other than they could be good, but also, like, I mean, you have to play the Chicago Sky, so uh, that's like a totally different animal. Um, so they're they're in a really odd spot. Like, I do think like um, there are probably some fans and people in general who are like, oh, I'd like to see them, you know, miss out and get into the lottery again. But for a team that was in that same position last year, like I just know from 
you know, personnel standpoint, it's a lot easier said than done to tell your players we're going to miss out on, on the playoffs two straight years. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's an interesting balance there. And again, like they're a young team, but also they have vets, they have players who are good now. Like, I think that it's imperative for them to work on being that level of team. Um, so yeah, there's my first word vomit, but they're, they're a really fun team. Um, there, there's a lot of really intriguing players. There's a lot of ways to go in terms of talk about them. Sure. I went to the, uh, the game against the storm. For, mm-hmm. I mean, Superbird was going to be there. Really wanted to see her. And uh, Johannes just exploded. I just couldn't believe how good she was. And shame, obviously, Liberty didn't get to win. It was still cool to see Superbird celebrate. I'm a UConn fan. I know you're a Georgetown guy. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah. yeah so it's it's, just... uh, don't remind me. <laughs> I have like a month still before I have to remember that they play basketball. So, um, Cool. Brandon Murray is going to lead us to a 10 and 20 season. Don't worry. Well, there you go. Yeah. And at least I get to root for UConn and especially on the women's side, even though Paige Beckers won't be playing, but I enough didn't about want to think about that either. I, I know. Man, I know. I'm, I'm disappointed as well. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, you know, I was going to ask you actually about the, the tanking versus sneaking into the playoffs thought, because you know, from the NBA perspective, it's the tanking craze rightfully or wrongfully is just, it's just there. And I was thinking from the standpoint of with this Liberty team, because is Sabali, she's coming back and pr- forgive me. Yeah, if I, she should, she should be back next year. Um, and like, that's what makes it interesting. I was surprised that they took her. Like I got it from a, from a standpoint of like, I mean, in fairness, like they don't really have a ton of roster space to, to mess around with, especially now that they're healthy. They have like, they're kind of in a place of, you know, trying to play all of their players together has been a struggle because like, even then like Sammy Whitcomb was huge in winning that second game against Dallas to close out this last week. Um, but then she didn't play very much in yesterday's game because Marine Johannes was on fire. Like that's a good thing to have. But again, when you're coming into the playoffs and you're trying to, you're still trying to find out what your best lineups are. Like that's a really tough balance to try and find uh, when you're playing do or die games. Um, but Sabli, I really like uh, Niara Sabli. I'm not sure that I see her necessarily as a starter. I think it's going to be, you know, team dependent. Like I think to an, the idea is to me, like she's very much like. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
Twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. In that same mold as Stephanie Dolson, like someone who can be a playmaking hub, like she's a really good passer for her size, uh, similar to her sister who plays in Dallas. Um, like defensively, I'd have to watch a lot more. It's been a minute since I've watched Oregon tape from last year, but um, in terms of what she brings, like being just like really dynamic role threat, role threat, somebody who can, like, you can see automatically the idea of somebody who fits really well with Sabrina Ionescu, who's a super high level pick and roll creator. One of, if not arguably the best in the W um, like that makes sense immediately to me. Um, but in terms of what that means for, for what they're doing in the draft here, um, like that's tougher. Like, I, again, things are going to change over the next, um, over the next year as the season unfolds. Like, I think I like Aaliyah Boston's probably the shoe in for the number one pick. And she is a post player. Um, definitely a different player from the Sabli, but still like, that's more of like, okay, well you're investing two of those picks back to back and you have Stephanie Dolson on a max contract. And it's like, you know, it gets a little funky talking like that. And to be fair too, like the draft is different from the W, which is something I'm still trying to work my head around, you know, like seeing the number eight overall pick get cut before the season is like, like I like the first time I saw like, Whoa, what the, what the hell is happening here? Mm-hmm. And then I talked to people who have covered the league for free. I'm like, they're like, no, that's normal. Like that is not normal to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like they, they should still be in a place where they're going to pick pretty high. Like there are players up there who are going to make sense. And that could be really interesting for the team. But again, like I still think it's in a place of, uh, they need to like, obviously they need the talent, but I think New York's definitely in a place where um, they're in a very different spot from the Knicks where they actually are like going to be considered a free agent destination. Um, I think the Knicks are headed towards that. That's not been a shape, but like in terms of like how the league views it, um, th- I mean, like this is a team that can definitely draw, um, draw free agents. So to me, I think it's a lot more important for them to do something in the playoffs and look like a team that's on the rise than, uh, you know, lose the last four games and end up missing out in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, you know, the easy thing is getting players, stars to go to play at the Barclays Center. It's keeping them and keeping them happy. After. Yeah. That's <laughs> yes. where it gets really tricky. And filling the Barclays Center, too. That would be ideal. Um, I've seen pictures yeah. of what that place looks like when basketball games are played there. So, uh, yeah, um, it's always that's it's the funniest thing to me. Like, I, I don't have any like dog in this fight, but like the it's like the most manufactured bullshit rivalry I think I've ever seen in sports. Like, it's 100 no. percent. But the games the, were really fun in 2021, but like it's no. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, I, I love MSG. Atmosphere's great. I went to, I've been to several Nets games. I've been able to sit decently well because there haven't been a lot of people who have been there. So, uh, but the, the in game entertainment just is really lacking just from an experience standpoint. You go to see basketball, but you want to be entertained the entire time. 
And then the other thing as well is you walk into Barclays and if you sit in the right section, you can actually look out onto the street, which is just a very odd thing to do when you're at a professional basketball game and you just see traffic. So mm-hmm. super weird. But um, yeah, so in terms of back to the W for a quick sec, playing the sky, do you think that's a more advantageous matchup as opposed to being able to play the aces or are the Liberty such an underdog that you feel like it's it's just a challenge to overcome regardless. I know the, the aces and the sky had the same record, right? They tied for the same seed and then aces yeah. won. Yeah. So they, yeah, you're right. They did end up tying um, for the same record, but I think it's, uh, it is really tough because like this sky team is just a monster. Um, like no team has, has won back-to-back titles. And I can't remember how long I think since the Houston comments. So that would be like 2004. So it's been a while. Um, but this team is just, they're deeper. They're more talented by a long shot. Uh, they have more length on defense and they know how to use it. Um, they're, but they're, I don't saying better coach is unfair because like, I mean, James Wade is a really good coach, but like just in general, like I think that any team in the league would struggle to beat uh, Chicago's backups in a three game series. Like this team is just really that good and they can do so much stuff lineup versatility wise. They're really athletic. They're the best passing team in the league. Um, but to be fair, uh, other than the first game of the, the first time they played the season, I want to say the Liberty lost 83 to 50. It was one, I think is the ugliest game I've seen this year. Um, Liberty still struggle with turnovers, but like they, I think they set the record for turnovers in a game that, that game, um, it was close. It was that or the game they played against Connecticut right after, but regardless, it was like over 20 turnovers in that game. And again, that's still been an issue for them, but they've cleaned that up quite a bit. And I do think um, Sabrina is just so good to a degree where um, like she's very much in that same mold that we kind of hit with, with, um, with Kevin Durant uh, later this year um, where like Kevin like really improved as a passer and it was enough where like, okay, do you just hope that you can guard him one on one one or do you just send a double team and then you get picked apart? Like, um, that's very much where Sabrina's at right now. Like you can just kind of hope the shots don't fall guarding her one-on-one. Uh, there are very few players who can get away with it because even though she doesn't like actually one of the coolest things I have, cause I, I did, I interviewed Sabrina for a one-on-one, um, earlier this year. And one of the coolest things I think I've ever had an interaction with an athlete, she like willingly called herself combo guard. And I was like blown away. I was like, I, cause I, I just asked her a question cause crystal Dangerfield came over, uh, in a pickup and she's like a very true point. Um, and that really helped Sabrina because she was like in that game against this guy earlier this year, she was playing mostly true point because they didn't really have anybody else who could. Um, and it just wasn't working because she really thrives, you know, coming off actions off the ball into pick and rolls instead of just straight up running stuff, you know, coming down, it doesn't seem like it would make a big difference, but it makes it a, a massive difference. And she was like very noteworthy of that she's like, yeah, I've been a combo guard my entire life. Like I'm, I'm better playing off of another guard. Like it helps me a lot. And that's like just a level of like, uh, cerebralness that I, I just don't think you see a lot from players, which is really cool. Um, not to say that it's bad, but like, that's just a hard thing to see from the outside looking in when you're not watching, you know, like yourself play all the time. Um, but point being like, I think we've seen the liberty, like against this guy in the last two games, they played them really close. Um, in fairness, one of the games was after Chicago had, had had some massive, uh, travel issues and was on their third game in four nights. 
So like you got to take it with a grain of salt that Liberty won that game to be fair. Um, but they've played them close in the other games as well. And that matters. Like the Liberty have uh, really like, again, like it's been a lot of, okay, how do we guard Sabrina and how do we uh, deal with what happens on either end? And in the game when the Liberty won, uh, they tried guarding her one-on-one the entire game playing uh, largely on her left hand. She likes to go left on, on step backs and sidesteps. And then it eventually bit them at the end of the game on the last play. Um, but again, like, I think it's going to be like kind of toying with and working in both. Um, and it's also worth noting too, like Cheyenne, uh, not Cheyenne, Jesus, uh, Candace Parker is going to be like way ramped up. Like Candace Parker is going to be playing insane basketball. She was an MVP level player this year still. Um, she's one of the best defenders in basketball. Um, I am this, this defense could look very scary for the Liberty, but I do think too, like, again, a lot of it, especially when you're playing a high pick and roll based offense, if you have some shot variance fuckery, anything can happen in a three game series. Yeah. Like that's, that's what makes it so interesting. Like, especially too, with the elimination games, I'm so glad that they got rid of the elimination games because you had like Minnesota was a very, very good team last year. They ended up being the sixth seed, but they were like, I think they were like 24 and nine or something like that. When the season ended, they just, it was like a very top heavy year last year. Um, so them losing in the first, first game, like in an elimination, in an elimination game was like, it was bullshit. I'm like this team, they won like 11 more games than the team that they played. So it was crazy. Um, but again, three game series, Best of, best of three, like anything can happen. So I do think that there's definitely a world where it can happen. Um, but I just would not bet on it because the Chicago team is so good. There's they're like, and especially too, like all it takes is a, a really bad run of turnovers and they go up by 12. Um, and that's just kind of the game. So it's a, it's asking a lot for this team to beat Chicago. Well, fantastic. Mark, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time talking about the Knicks, the Liberty, uh, W, is there, do you have a prediction that you're comfortable making at this point in terms of who's winning it all or you're going to keep that Man, close to the best? Good question. Uh, you know, honestly, I have a really good feeling about the Mystics. A lot's going to depend on Elena Deldon's health, but um, they're, they've they been kind of under the radar all year because they struggle when she's out. Um, but this is like the first really healthy stretch of her career since 2019. Um, and she's just about the best player in the world when, when her game is on and she's healthy. Um, and that defense is just insane. So I like, they have a really tough matchup playing the storm in the first round and the storm looks really good too. The problem is like, there are just so many good teams and the good teams are like insane. Um, but like, that's just my gut feeling going into the playoffs that the mystics are randomly going to pull out a stretch because they kind of need to, um, just given how well this year has gone for them. So it'll be interesting. But then I have like a big feature coming on a player in Connecticut next week. So I really would like to see Connecticut win it. Cause I like got like, I was in Connecticut for a week and I got like way, uh, way uh, like excited about them. Cause it was just a lot of good people, but um, we'll see. I'd, I'd imagine it'll probably end up being, uh, I actually have no idea who I'd pick. I, I would like, I, I my again, got, got mystics. No idea. It, it'll be interesting. All right, cool. Well, Mark, thank you so much. Uh, if you tell the people at home where they can find you, that'd be great. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MG underscore Schindler. Um, I have a Patreon as well that is linked up there. Uh, any support is really appreciated. I do work pretty much everywhere on anything basketball. 
Um, while I try to get in, uh, into being paid full time, um, it really helps for anybody who, who does have the means and just in general, appreciate any support and really appreciate you guys having me on. This was, this was awesome. Uh, it was really cool to be on. Um, I'll be sure to chew out John for not, not being here, but, uh, no, I'm just kidding. How but, dare he take a vacation? <laughs> what a dick, man. Like, we had on. a rule, no vacations. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. But no, seriously, this was awesome. I really appreciate you guys. Big thank you to Mark Schindler for coming on today's pod. We greatly appreciate it. The man does great work and the link to his Patreon, if you'd like to support him even further, is in the description of his Twitter account at MG underscore Schindler, as well as the description to this podcast, um, this podcast episode description, uh, the YouTube episode description, as well as the comments. Support your boy because he was so great enough to support us over the years. So shout out to Mark. Thank you for coming on the show. Shout out to the Liberty. The WNBA playoffs kick off tonight on ESPN. The Liberty against the Chicago Sky. Um, Shout out to Manscaped. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying those. That's all I'll say. And look, like full disclosure, I wouldn't read those if I didn't believe in the product. Um, Smoothest shave I've ever experienced. I will leave that at that. (laughs) Again, hope you're enjoying those. Jeremy and I will be back later this week. We've got Benji coming on the pod for a fun conversation. Um, First time Jeremy and Benji are left to their own devices. So we have like a capologist with like a film expert. And then I get to just kind of direct traffic. So it should be fun. Uh, So stay tuned for that later this week. One last thing before I get out of here. And Jeremy, if you're listening to this, I finally remembered to put this at the end of a pod. We are looking for somebody to help us with a website. Now, it could be as simple as like you're really good with Squarespace and you'd like to help KFS design a website. We're looking to partner with someone that has those types of skills, has the time to help out, and is really just looking to get involved with KFS more particularly. Um, DM me on Twitter. My DMs are open at Claudio underscore. You can also email me if you're interested, andrewjclaudio at gmail.com. Um, yeah, plain and simple. We're looking for somebody with good some with good web development skills, someone that can help us create a central hub for all the content that we create. Uh, so yeah, hit me up on either Twitter or on my email. We'd love to work with you. Um, Jeremy would also um, love to work with you because it's something that we've been uh, kind of hoping to take care of this summer. And if anyone would be interested in helping us take care of it, we would appreciate it. Okay, that does it for us. If you dig the show, head on over to iTunes and drop a five-star rating and a review. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Podcast, as well as the YouTube channel, the Patreon, the merch store, and of course, John does exquisite work over at the Knicks Film School newsletter. Until next time, thank you for listening, and we'll speak with you soon. Peace. Peace.